FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome everybody, you're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Special shout out to all of our listeners in Coffs Harbour, New South Wales on 88, in Gunnelabar, New South Wales, also on 88, and Urunga, New South Wales on 88.0. So three from New South Wales, three from 88.0 this morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for today? My dad. Your dad. I love my dad, and I'm thankful is, is for your my... Dad, is your dad listening to the show right now? I, I don't know, maybe. He yeah. listens to the show pretty often. Yeah. Like He might be, but I'm grateful for him. And Someone more, needs to call him up and tell him to tune in because he's getting a shout-out. More specifically, I'm grateful for the fact that I get to live with him. You know, I rent from my dad. You get to use his car. That's this right. This is actually why you are thankful <laughs> that, for your dad. That's right. I, I get to use my dad's out. car. Because I took my dad's car, I took my car in for like a service yesterday and I, and I took it down and I was like, hey, look, service, tires, windscreen, wipers, lights, like anything that needs replacing, go for it. Like do it, you know, go, go your hardest. I trust these people. They're like my local mechanic. Uh, they've always done right by me. So I'm like, hey. Whatever needs changing, like, go for it. And I know they'll do a good job. But then, you know, obviously that was taking time. They had business on that day. And it was like, I couldn't get my car till five and I had appointments at five. And I was like, oh, so then I'm just like, I'll take dad's car. And then I get to drive a dad's car around. It's awesome. And your dad's car is nicer than your car. Yeah, it's like a Ford Ranger. It's like really big and tall <laughs> and really fun and nice to drive. So and new and new and, and hey, my, I like my car. My car is pretty nice. It's got like little seats and, and stuff. Junkies. Yeah, get lost. Twenty ten <laughs> is not old. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson's going to bring you the first question for our quiz. Get ready to answer this one. Has been one of our most popular prizes so far. All right, the first question is, in Luke 12 and verse 1, Jesus described the leaven or yeast of the Pharisees as being what? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win snake bites and shipwrecks, the travel with Paul game as you build his journey and you see where he went and you see all of the missionary exploits that he went and did in the ancient world that were super incredible and amazing. And I believe you win the game by actually yet yeah, filling out the board and being able to see where he was able to go. But again, that question was in Luke 12 and verse 1, Jesus described the leaven or yeast of the Pharisees as being what? 0491 064-669. If you want the terms and conditions for our quiz, you can head on over to our website, faithfm.com.au, and learn all about it there. But if you give us a call or a text at that number, you will be able to get into the draw, which will be drawn tomorrow. Okay, there you go. Let's uh, let's get into it and let's get some answers coming through. Uh, Lawson, what's, let's have, hear some positively different news this morning. Community solar projects, Lyle. I okay. think that they're cool. Okay. I think that they're positive and I think they're amazing. I was reading about one this morning from New Jersey. Okay, so New Jersey, they've, they've got a, a community out there in Neptune, New Jersey. There's this company, it's called Solar Landscape, and they are a solar company. Yes. And they reached out to a bunch of different companies in the area that own like storage buildings and whatnot. And they were like, hey, can we put solar panels on your guys' roofs to provide solar for the entire town? 
Okay, so they've got some blank roofs that are not being used. That's right. And they just want to use those roofs? That's right. And so they've done that. And ultimately, they've created a, a community solar project, a community solar space, where they now power 1,400 homes in the area, which is awesome. And essentially what they're doing, this is the, the awesome thing that I think is, is really cool, is that you can subscribe to be a part of this solar project, right? Which is that you pay the money, like pay money to the company who owns all this, which in this case is a com- in this case is a company called Solar Landscape. Now, do they lease the roof space, or have the people just gone? Yeah, I'm not using that roof. Go for it. A lot of people have just let them set up there yep. because it's like, well, what, yeah, why not? What are we doing with it? Yeah. Now, the purpose of this is firstly green energy, awesome, but also they're like it is cheaper for us to maintain and keep our solar panels running on these people's roofs than it is for them to get regular electricity. So what we're going to do is just undercut the electrical companies. Yes. They can subscribe yes. to our solar project yes. for a lower rate. Yes. And we support the community and everyone gets power. Nice. And obviously it's good for solar landscape because they make money, like in their company, and companies deserve to make money if they provide a service. Like, you know, we're not doubting that they shouldn't be giving out free solar. Like, they've invested heavily into that. But ultimately, this is like a win-win-win situation. Everyone is winning. Absolutely. The company, Solar Landscape, they're getting cheap power. The, like, well, they're creating, well, they're getting paid. The community is getting cheap power. And also, a lot of the money, like, they've, they've been making some bank off this. And they've just been fully investing it back into the community with all kinds of grants to schools and, you know, nonprofits and charities in the area. Like, they have truly become... A community solar project. Okay, but that's not going to provide base power. Mm-hmm. Because solar power is great mm-hmm. because it generates electricity during the day. The only way you're going to get base power is by storing it with lithium, which is pretty toxic stuff, mm-hmm. or by having, you know, something like coal backup. Yes, yeah, for sure. And so ultimately... It the, means you can use less coal. That, that That's right. But unless you go with true renewables, which is going to be a combination of solar, wind, hydro and maybe a couple of other things, mm. you're not going to have truly renewables. You're going to still be using either lithium or coal. But you've got to think about the scope of this project, Lyle. Yes. This oh, is, no, I'm, I'm this fully is, supportive of this project. Like, I'm this is like... I, just, I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is that I see everybody gets so excited about solar, and I think we should mm. be excited about solar. I think we should be using as much solar as we possibly can. Mm. But we also need to recognise that it's not going to eradicate... Lithium or coal. What would eradicate lithium or coal would ultimately be government action. Like, we because we don't. Ha- I don't have the ability to create my own base power. No, unless I either spend lots of money, which I don't have, or I am in the government itself. Like, is, the interesting thing is the only the only thing I've seen with that, that actually reliably the only renewable I've seen oh, here re- we go reliably is this, is this the hydro spiel creates base power is hydro yeah okay yeah, yeah you know it's it's a it's it's like the best renewable there is out there yeah but this is the one renewable that nobody who is environmentally uh, astute will. Or or, or 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 concerned about will actually touch because it's like well we're going to flood trees yeah. So, but like, it does create base power and it gets rid of coal and lithium. Now, again, to create base power, that's the job of a very large company slash the government because 
I don't have the ability to do that. But what I do have the ability to do yes. is to subscribe to my yes. local community solar project, yes. which drastically Absolutely. reduces like my carbon footprint, but also my reduces bill. Reduces your bill. Which is amazing. That's right. And this is how we will, this is how we will actually get people on board with these green projects is when it is better for their back pocket. That's right. That's human nature right there. Totally. And, and that's what, that's what we see here. Like, yes. and that's what this company has done. They're Absolutely. like, Hey, we make more, we, it costs less for us to maintain our solar panels than it does for someone's bill. So therefore we just undercut it. Yep. We, we can make, love it. We make a little bit of a profit here. Greatest but, thing ever. But everyone can subscribe. Everyone can get on board. 1400 homes. Like that's mm-hmm. they're, they're, by just Greatest. putting some solar panels on top of some roofs. And those roofs not being used for anything else, yeah. so use them. Like, just put them on every roof now. Uh-huh. Dude, this is this is genius. I love this so much. Hey, let's have a look at another story here. This is actually about back pain. Now, a lot of people suffer from back pain. In fact, it's probably, like, one of the most debilitating things that people go through. Like, it's probably the most common debilitating, like, disease or problem that people have is some form of back pain. You know, you, know, you definitely have, like, your arthritis and different struggles and joint pains and whatnot. But back pain is at at levels is incredibly debilitating. You know, you can, you can lose the function of your arm, but still live like, but you got back pain. You're in trouble. You're, you're you're, you're you're done. Now, interestingly, when you get back pain, there's usually two sources from what I understand. There's back pain that comes from like having a problem with your bone or joint or disc or something like that. And it needs to be solved. You know, whether it's an alignment problem, whether it's, you know, some kind of herniation, something like that. And then there's people who go through those problems, who get those problems solved, but then just suffer from chronic back pain and inflammation, like, that just won't stop. Now, I was reading about a treatment this morning that has been created where it's essentially, like, an emotional mental treatment, a 12-week program that helps you to overcome your back pain and is more effective than opioids. Really? In terms of treating chronic so you back pain. you use your brain. Yeah. You, you, you treat it's, mind over matter. My, literally, it's, that's, that's what they're describing it as. Really? It's, it's amazing. It's like you go through this treatment and, you know, go through a number of, you know, counselling, massage sessions, da 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 and at the end of the day, you should be able to, like, your body will respond positively. Better than better than opioids. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is, like, so the the purpose of opioids, opioids will definitely overcome your back pain. Yes. But then, like... You're addicted it, to them. You're addicted to them, and you, if you stop taking them, you'll still possess that back pain. And you'll have withdrawals. This, that's right. And if you keep taking them, it messes with your brain. That's right. This is solving back pain. Wow. Because opioids don't do that. Opioids just make it feel better until you don't take them. Whereas this is actually solving the problem of back pain. Uh, I, I thought was, they, they're calling it sensory motor retraining. And again, it takes... Okay, so you basically rewire the brain. So you take the, uh, the, 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 the cables that are running to your brain that are experiencing pain and just what, bypass those wires, cut those cables, well, it's, and it, replace them with something else. The philosophy behind this retraining, the sensory motor retraining, is flipping the issue from looking at it as like a bo- bone joint or, you know, um, 
cartilage or herniation problem to looking at it as a nervous system problem and how can we solve nervous system problems. I don't have mo- any more time to get into it, but it's really, really incredible stuff. We- You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's time for another question for our quiz, another opportunity to get your name in the hat to be in the draw for this amazing prize that we have again this week. Mm-hmm. Snakes, snakes and, not snakes and ladders, snakes and Ship, snake bites, Snake bites and shipwrecks. Snakes and ships. Okay, here we go. The silver chest and arms of the image of Daniel 2 represent which kingdom? Is this a little bit conjecture? Because it doesn't say in the chapter. No, it's not conjecture because it, it actually specifically defines in the chapter 8. Oh, yeah, for sure. Does not conjecture. D- d- like, d- I definitely, but the answer to this question, I definitely believe, but I'm like. Well, it's given in chapter eight. That's right. Okay. Well. So you just need to know two chapters. You just need to know two chapters of the Bible and you know what's up. Again, that question is the silver chest and arms of the image in Daniel chapter two represent which kingdom? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you can Go in the draw to win snake bites and shipwrecks, as Lyle was saying earlier, an incredibly popular prize that people are all trying to get get on to to be able to win. And the reason is is because when whenever we give out board game prizes, we always promise to people like, hey, if you invite us to come down and play it with you, like we'll we'll come. And so we understand that many of you just want this board game because you want to spend time with us. And that is completely okay. So if you want to spend time with us, you can do so by answering these quiz questions correctly, getting in the draw to win this game. Again, the number was You know, somebody from a remote community in Western Australia is going to win this one. And then they're going to be like, Lawson, you said you would come. <laughs> is the number to call a text. And again, that question was the silver chest and arms of the image in Daniel 2 represent which kingdom? So the more remote community you live in, the more we want you to call in. So I want to see Lawson travel out there. He did say the other day he's never been to the Outback, so we need to have some people from the Outback who uh, get in and compete on this one. All Mm. right, let's go to more serious news this morning. We did say that we're going to talk about famine, and we're going to actually travel to Afghanistan this morning, which is facing massive famine right now. Uh, This is information that's coming from the aid agency CAFOD, CAFOD, I kind of struggle with that. It sounds a little bit like cat food, but no, CAFOD uh, says that some people in Afghanistan right now are eating grass. And, of course, that does a tremendous amount of damage to their digestive system as well as causing a tremendous amount of malnourishment. And you know that people are getting really, really desperate mm. when they are eating grass, which, of course, they can't actually live off. Uh, it, it sort of fills a hole for a brief amount of time and will give some nutrients, but you will die if you continue to eat grass. Mm. Uh, this is a year after the Taliban uh, seized control and this particular charity, which is a major charity in Afghanistan, has said millions of people are facing hunger uh, and desperate poverty because of soaring prices and drought. Mm. And so they've got a co- combination of uh, effects that are happening here. They've got massive economic collapse as a result of you know financial mismanagement by the Taliban combined <laughs> with you know a, a drought, which of course is, is a, uh, a problem with nature combined with sanctions imposed by the West. Mm. And sanctions can really, really financially cripple a country. I had no idea just how brutal sanctions can be until I travelled to Iran and saw, you know, here you've got an oil-rich country that, you know, is, 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 a, is, a, is an incredibly powerful 
uh, country militarily and so forth. They're able to make significant amounts of money, but nothing like what you've got when you are in, say, Dubai or somewhere yeah, like wow. that, which is just, you know, what you get when you throw unlimited amounts of money at a desert, mm. essentially. Yeah. You know, Singapore is what you get when you throw unlimited amounts of money at a swamp, uh-huh. and Dubai is what you get when you throw unlimited amounts of money at a desert. They have unlimited amounts of money because of oil resources. Mm. You go just a very short distance away, you hit Iran, and it's basically a developing country. Mm. Because of the sanctions. sanctions, wow. And so this kind of makes me stop and think, and it reminds me of a story in the Bible where the Syrians had been uh, absolutely plaguing the Israelites, and so God struck them blind, this, the entire Syrian army. Uh, Elisha then led the Syrian army into the capital city of Samaria, mm. so they're now trapped within the walls of Samaria, and God removes their blindness, and they're like, okay, that's it, we're all dead. And, and, and the king at the time was like, yeah, I'll kill them, I'll kill them, let's, let's just kill them all. Mm. And uh, Elisha's like, no, don't kill them, feed them. Wow. And so what happens is that they feed them and the Syrians go back and they don't ever invade again because of the hospitality wow. that they have been shown. And it shows mm. the power of, being, of feeding people. There's a tremendous amount of power in feeding people. And the simple reality is this. If you turn your enemy into your friend, you have defeated your enemy. Wow. We could not defeat the Taliban through force of arms. So now we befriend them? If you want to have influence in that society, this is the only recourse that we have left. Mm. And I would say that it's a better one, a much better system, because if we can turn them into our friends and we can show them a better way rather than just killing them, Mm -hmm. then we can have a really positive influence in that particular region. Now, what's also contributing to this is that you have in Afghanistan, you've had Western influence for uh, 20 years or so, which means that there are a tremendous amount of women there who are highly educated and were making major contributions to the society, particularly in their area of economic management and uh, accounting and so forth, and they have now all been pushed out of their jobs. And typically what is happening is that they will be asked when they leave their job to nominate a male member of their family to replace them. And the male member of their family may or may not be qualified. And so you've got a lot of highly qualified women who are out of work and you've got a whole bunch of less qualified men who are taking their positions. And, of course, that's not going to go well when you have, you know, it doesn't matter male or female, it matters qualifications. But mm-hmm. And what it's resulting is less qualified people in these particular positions, which is creating an economic crisis. Mm. And so when we think about Afghanistan, we need to stop and think, okay, what can we actually be doing over there in a practical way? What should we have done in the first place, honestly? Should we have just gone in there and spent billions of dollars blowing the place up? Yeah. What did that accomplish for us? What did it accomplish for the world? Did it make the world a safer place? Did it make the world a better place? Did it make economies better? Mm -hmm. Did it make our economy better? No, Mm -hmm. no, no, no to any of those things. Or we could have gone in there and said, well, you know what? Uh, the Taliban says that you should live like this. Let me show you how the West does it. Mm. Let's provide some aid. This is what freedom can do. Freedom can bring this to your country because it brought it to our country and freedom has given us wealth. And if you want wealth and success, then why don't you try freedom? Mm. 
You know, wow. why don't you try religious liberty? Why don't you try liber- freedom of speech and so many of these values that have really created so much economic wealth mm. for the West? And we could have modeled that rather than, and we could have defeated our enemy with by food. making them afferent. With food. And it's so crazy that in other parts of the Middle East and into, you know, kind of down into Asia, America does that. Like, if you look at a country like, like Kyrgyzstan and whatnot, how they, they send a bunch of people there to go and promote American ideals, and now they have allies in those countries. It's like, oh, but with Afghanistan, it was like... No, nah, let's just go and blow the place up. Yeah. It was a lot of egos involved in starting that battle. Yeah, definitely. Like Typically, any war that is started, it started over egos. Yeah. And George W. Bush on TV, you know, yeah. we will not stop, will not fail. Like, yeah, tough. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, moving across to the United States, new research has come out about what pastors identify as being the greatest idols in their churches. So talking about modern-day idolatry mm-hmm. within Christianity. And an idol really is defined as anything that you put in as high, a higher priority in your life than God. Yep. Uh, because, yeah. And so they've asked pastors, what do you think the greatest idols are within Christianity today? What do you, what do you think that they came back with? Okay, so I reckon is, is number one like relationships nope is it money nope is it this is america it's america it's comfort really yes like that makes sense but like okay. for america yeah they love to sit on their backsides and be comfortable yeah 67 <laughs> percent of pastors said comfort was the number one idol that they have to deal with in their churches where their church members are putting this in front of God. Mm. Okay, security comes in at number two. Wow. And that one surprises me because I could say comfort, yeah, that I could relate to that in Australia. Security, not so much. I just don't see that in Australia mm. as being an issue. 56% there. Uh, money coming in third at 55%. And then approval, and this is really coming through in our younger generations, mm. in our social media generations, where people are constantly looking for approval coming in at 51%. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Before we go to our interview of the day, we have another question for our quiz. Lawson's going to bring it to you. Another question for the quiz. Who was Isaac's older half-brother? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win Snake Bites and Shipwrecks, our amazing board game that we are giving away in our draw this week, which will be drawn tomorrow. So your, your time's running out. You're getting limited and limited, more limited opportunities to be able to enter into the quiz. And you can win the draw, even if you just have one entry. And we've seen that happen on the show. So 0491 064 669, who was Isaac's older half-brother? Okay, so joining us on the phone this morning is Scott Devlin from Creation Ministries International, and he is with us to talk about dinosaurs. Scott, everybody likes to talk about dinosaurs at one point or another. They seem to be the most amazing creatures ever. What are we going to learn about dinosaurs today? Yeah, you're right. They're they're an amazing creature. My four-year-old son, he loves dinosaurs, Um, I think especially boys, they seem to love it. But I, I think um, we as people who are specifically in kind of the role, the work that I do, we like to talk about dinosaurs a lot because, um, you know, they're actually put up as great evidence against the Bible. But when you look into it a little bit, they're actually 
fantastic evidence for the Bible. So a lot of people have uh, said dinosaurs are a creationist best friend. Yes. Um, so maybe if we already talked about dinosaurs on previous weeks with some of my colleagues, is that right? Oh, from time to time we talk about dinosaurs for sure, but we never tire of talking about dinosaurs. I guess we all have very fond memories of uh, of being a child and, and, and T-Rex was just like the most amazing toy ever. Um, yeah. But these are yeah. more than just kids' toys. They were real creatures that once lived on this earth and have now gone extinct. Yeah, that's right. And, and we know that from the fossils that we dig up and so we can um, – you know, sometimes they're not a complete fossil, but we've got some that are almost complete and we can put them all together. So we've got a really good idea of um, how they would function, what they would look like. Um, and obviously we don't know the stock tissues. We don't know what their eyeballs would be like because they're the things that degrade. So bones uh, can, in a extreme uh, events, you can create a fossil. It's actually very hard to make a fossil. In extreme events, like I feel like you can make a fossil. So I've, I thought it'd be good to talk about this now. I, I mentioned to you earlier, I think this would be a good subject because we, um, this evening, I'm talking at an online event and it's an Ask Me Anything event and someone had asked questions. Okay, what about the dinosaurs? Like, how did they go? Did the flood make them extinct or did they go extinct afterwards? So I thought it'd be really good to talk about um, the five real ages of the dinosaurs because you've put, as listeners have probably heard, that um, the predominant view, or what we're told, uh, what I learned in school, was that dinosaurs lived from about 248 million years ago to about 65 million years ago. Through the Mesozoic period, you've got the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous. So they've got three periods of dinosaur life. And um, I reckon uh, we can identify five periods if we take a, a biblical view. And actually, the evidence is there to show that this history matches uh, up a lot more with the actual um, yeah, evidence that we find. Okay, so five different uh, ages of dinosaurs or eras of dinosaurs. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a little bit of a play on it, but so we go with number one to start with, um, and I'll say, okay, they were formed, and I'm going to use the, the word F, uh, someone else came up with this, but they were formed in 4000 BC. So that's about 6,000 years ago. So we get that age from adding up the genealogies chronologies of the Bible. We can see there was, uh, uh, we can, in Genesis 5 and 11, uh, Luke and Matthew have these genealogies. Luke goes all the way back to Adam and we can match that up in Genesis and we can calculate, well, okay, God made dinosaurs about that. And we know he made them, he would have made them on day six. Because remember day five, he made the, um, the birds and the sea animals. And then day six, he made the land animals. And that was, of course, when he made the pinnacle of all creation, and that was us. Um, so we know he made them on day six, about 4,000 BC, so that's about 6,000 years ago. So if we wanted to split so hairs, could we, could we ask the question where the flying dinosaurs were made on day five? Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. So they, yeah, they would have been made on day five. And actually, with the strict definition of dinosaur, they're not actually a dinosaur. Um, but... Yeah, anyway, that's splitting hairs as well. <laughs> but you, that is you, fun. You, it's uh, fun to talk about. Yeah, you, yeah you, but you're exactly right. They would have been made on day five, so they're they are made slightly slightly earlier. And um, so, so that's that's uh, age one. So age two uh, is fallen, and again, that's four thousand BC, probably a few weeks after the creation week. So dinosaurs, when they were created, they would have been vegetarian, just like every other creature. We're told was a vegetarian before the fall. Um, and of course, the fall 
brought about death, disease, suffering, and that included animals eating one another and um, a lot of death and suffering. So, so we would have had the dinosaur as all vegetarian before, and um, either through a supernatural intervention or a genetic uh, inbuilt switch, because um, God knew we were going to fall. There was a there was a fall that made the uh, dinosaurs become uh, meat eating instead of vegetarian, or it could have happened over a period of time. That can happen with mammals today. Um, people are often surprised when I say, "Look, there's a uh, there's a lion that was uh, grown in, uh, grew up as a, a cub in someone's house, and they taught it to eat vegetables, and it never needed meat." Mm. Um, so, so this kind of flexibility can happen. So that's the second age, fallen, and the reformed, fallen, and then the third one, which is very important, is flooded. And so this is about two thousand five hundred BC, because it's about thousand five hundred years after creation, and that's when the flood was. And so this is why we know about them today, because the very specific conditions that are required to make a fossil, i.e. Um, burying that animal so deeply and so rapidly that a limited amount of oxygen can get to the body, so the decomposition of the body is slow enough that the fossil will, or the bone will remain long enough for it to be fossilized, um, is provided uniquely by the flood. And, of course, a lot of people that don't believe in the flood are coming to understand now that all fossils require large-scale flooding. Uh, they don't like to say one flood because that sounds like the Bible story. But um, I believe, I mean, when I look at the evidence, it's very evident that there was one flood. Um, I've even got a colleague, you might have spoken to him before, Dr. Ron Neller. He's a fluvial geomorphologist. So that means water is fluvial. Geo-Earth and morphologist the shape, so he's an expert in the shape of the Earth and how it relates to water and how floods affect the shape of the Earth. And as a non-Christian, before he was saved, he realized there must be one more wide flood, just looking at the, the, the evidence. But his colleagues mm-hmm. said, look, we, we kind of see that as well, but we don't talk about it because you, know, you can't really publish that kind of thing. But anyway, that's the flooded stage. That's the third real dinosaur age, flooded. And that was about 2,500 BC. Of course, that's important because that's what we know about dinosaurs today is because um, we're able to dig them up and find their bones. And so, so one so, of the questions... So, so, so just a question that I can, uh, I'd like to toss in there before we move on is that yeah. we often get the impression, and this may be a true impression, it may be a false impression, I don't know, maybe you can help us out, that the majority of uh, fossils that we find, uh, particularly of large animals, we find a, a, a greater ratio of dinosaurs to other kinds of creatures of a similar size of that particular era does that indicate is is that true to begin with and if it is then does it indicate that dinosaurs were very much a dominant species in the world before the flood that's an interesting question um so the fossil record is predominantly made up of um Algae, like ancient algae and so, small, uh, small plants, yes, plants and things like that. It's like ninety nine point eight percent or something like this is is uh, non vertebrate marine creatures and, and plants. Um, I mean, yeah, well, plants is another thing because that's how we get coal and oil and gas there, and that's all the fossilized plants because it gets mush. The things that um, things that have bones that can be preserved. It's all these small marine creatures that predominantly. And so, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of dinosaur fossils, and 
are there more than the other? Um, I'd have to look at that to, to figure out if there's more than yes. mammal creatures. I'm, I'm not sure on that. Yeah. But would it indicate that they were more dominant? Uh, not necessarily at all, because um, dinosaurs are because the way the flood would have worked likely is there would have been uh, different stages of the flood. Therefore, there'll be different areas where different types of animals would have lived. And we can see in the pre-flood record that there's a massive variety of fauna and animals that we don't see today. And a lot of them are in different uh, biological niches, or some people call it biological zonation. Um, So you have a different kind of ecological niche where a certain type of animal would be very successful at living, but another type of animal would not. And then you'd have another place on the earth where, I mean, the similar thing happens today, you know, sure. only certain animals can, but, it, but to a much greater variety. And we can see that pre fossil record, the variety was just huge. Because if you think about it, that would have been the variety that God put there in creation. And really what we're living in today, um, the ecosystem that we live in today, is much uh, more limited to God's original creation. And it's not, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't directly created by God in a way. It was, um, I mean, it w- it's the leftovers of the flood. So whatever survived the flood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever survived the flood is what we have on the earth today in terms of uh, uh, flora, fauna, animals, etc. So um, so anyway, the point about the dinosaurs, whether there's more of them, does that mean they were more dominant? It means that the niche that they were more dominant in was flooded later. That's what I would say. If, right. if that's true, I, I, as I say, I don't know whether there's more I have not actually looked at the figures. Are there more dinosaurs than other vertebrate land mammals? I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. But we definitely hear about dinosaurs more, don't we? Because they're much more interesting. Oh, that's right. They're so, they're so interesting. They're just like the, like the coolest creatures on the planet. So that's way more exciting to find a dinosaur than to find a mouse, for instance. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so and the answer is that it doesn't necessarily mean there were more ubiquitous on the earth. I would guess probably less. But um, if they were flooded later, um, then there'd be more chance of them being preserved because the flood would have consisted of a rising period and a falling period where the waters rose and where the waters fall. And when the waters fall, it would have swiped, wiped away a lot of um, sediments that already had fossils and just crushed them and, uh, to smithereens. Whereas some of the later things to get buried might have been higher up and uh, things that, that stayed later or, or they were more recently um, put on the top sure. as opposed to being washed away. And so it, it, it can get quite complicated thinking about the flood, but a lot of people do that and put a lot of thought into it. So yeah, I can't I, I can't answer that for sure, but I would say it would it, it shows that they were dominant in an ecological zonation that was less affected by the flood runoff. Mm. Is the answer? Mm. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit complicated. No, no, no. That's it's, it's all fascinating. It's all fascinating. We got up to uh, mm. we got we got through three of our our uh, we've got. Uh, Formed, fallen, flooded so far. What's our fourth age oh, of dinosaurs? You're taking note very well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, third, third one's flooded. And the four is another F, faded. Um, now, faded is because one of the questions that I, I'm preparing for this Ask Me Anything session this evening that I've got online was, okay, well, what? Um, how did the dinosaurs, did the dinosaurs survive flood? What happened to them afterwards? Um, and, of course, we've got to remember that uh, Noah took on the ark two of every kind, and he took more of the clean animals, of course, but he took two of every kind of um, land-dwelling creature. And so the dinosaurs were land-dwelling creatures, so he would have took two of every kind of dinosaur. 
of course, one of the problems people often ask there is, well, how could he fit big sauropods on, on the on the ark? Of course, he didn't need to take a fully grown sauropod. He could have just taken a dinosaur egg um, a, or a, you know, a junior one, one that's not fully grown by a long way. And what's quite amazing is the biggest dinosaur egg we've ever found fossilized is still only the size of an American football. So, you know, you could, of course, you, there's got to know which kind of dinosaurs to bring to the ark to help and know if them all on. But, but so, so the point is there when the ark rested, um, some dinosaurs got off, one of each kind, and then they repopulated the earth. So the question is, well, why are they not still around today? And, um, I think there's a few answers for that. And one of them that I always used to give is the one that I thought was predominant was humans. Because what we find at the moment is um, the vast majority of the world's largest species are being pushed towards extinction. And that's because we're killing them. As humans, we're killing the heftiest ones, the meat, and we want their body parts and, you know, like tusks of uh, elephants. And they're seen as valuable or they're seen as dangerous. Now, we in Australia, we don't do that if there's a, we let crocodiles live. Um, but in Indonesia and all of the countries in Africa and India, um, if they have a tiger come and kill one of the babies of the village, then you're probably going to get the strong, young, brave 18 year old and he's going to go out and defeat that tiger and kill it to make sure the, uh, the village is safe and he'll come back and he'll talk about that tiger probably exaggerate the story slightly. Maybe the tiger breathed fire. And of course, we see evidence of this in the medieval ages. There's lots of depictions of dragons, which actually look very similar to our modern-day drawings of dinosaurs. So um, that's, a, that's one good reason for the dinosaurs dying out, is that we killed them. Uh, another one is would be an environmental change after the post-flood ice age. Yes. Okay, so very quickly, because we are just about out of time, we've got, yeah, uh, we've got sure. form, fallen, flooded, faded, and what's our final age? So the last one is quick. It's found. And that's only from AD 1800, so i.e. the last 200 years to the present. And that's really important because people ask, where's the word dinosaurs in the Bible? And, of course, the word dinosaur is only got invented in 1841 by a man called Sir Richard Owen in the UK, and it meant terrible lizard. Um, and we've used that word since. So before that, we knew of dinosaurs as, as dragons. Okay. All right, so there you go. Um, five different ages of dinosaurs, and uh, having been named dinosaurs in very recent times, having been found, I guess, in and, and identified as a, as a unique species in, in, in recent times. Scott Devlin, thank you so much for joining us here. Fascinating information. Uh, very quickly, before we move on, how do we interact with uh, Creation Ministries International? Um, yeah, so probably the easiest thing is our website, creation.com. And if some, someone wanted to join in with our with that Ask Me Anything session I was talking about, that's a Zoom session. Oh, no, it's a, I think it's a YouTube, a live YouTube thing. But you, all that information will be on the website. So you go to creation.com and you want to search about dinosaurs. There's a little search bar at the top. You can type in any question about creation, evolution, dinosaurs and get your answer. Fantastic, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.